Hello, hello, hello. Susie Jones here along with Bruce and Peg reminding you it is your money. This is your time to ask your financial questions and for all of us to learn a little bit more about what's happening with our finances. If at any time you have a financial question in this next hour, you can call our text line or our studio line at 651-461-9226. And remember, if you don't have time today, you can always write this down, yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. That's where you can email a question or write this down for later, one eight 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 six advice Now, once again, Senior Founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer and Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb. Welcome to both of you two. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Bruce. Hi, Peg. Hi, Susie. Uh, hello, listeners. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Peg, today, and, and I love the topic, and I think part of the reason that we chose the topic is the inflation that we've been seeing and the increase uh, you know, in a lot of things, but not, not the least of which real estate, homes, and rents have gone up. Inflation is impacting what what it costs people to live and you know and and where they live so it's very timely but this issue of renting or buying a home um is always an issue it's not unlike and we could probably do a whole separate show on the idea of do i buy a car or do i lease a car but do i rent or do do i try to purchase my own property is always an important financial question for most people their home is probably the biggest investment they're ever going to make, and it's not a decision to make lightly. So um, while this decision probably is different for everybody, I think today we can give people some least good ideas or things for their consideration to help make this decision. Yeah, and I think, Bruce, too, if a lot of listeners already own a home, um, they probably know someone that is – wants to live the American dream. I mean, do you remember, Bruce, for you and I, it was just, this was like the hallmark of of an event. It was us buying our house and it was like a major life milestone, something that, you know, as I grew up, it was, uh, you know, when I was little, my parents did rent. And then I just remember when they purchased their first home and, and you know, there was seven of us little kids running around and, and finding that home. But it it's something that I feel like I still have embedded in me as to everybody should buy a home. But statistics are showing us that that could possibly be changing. Now, we brought this topic up now because of inflation, as you mentioned, Bruce, and the fact that um, – it was crazy. I mean, people, there was just people bidding way over asking price. And I just remember my nieces and nephews who are at the stage of wanting to buy a house, you know, they would, they would contact me or I, or I'd hear through the grapevine, oh, they lost another one. So it has to have been just a uh, roller coaster. So now um, the, the question more so is, should I even go bid on a house? Should I be buying at this point? And the major, major reason is we went from 3% mortgages to 
6% for a while there, and now we're in the mid-fives. But that's dramatic. I mean, now you have to kind of wrap your head around uh, what are my next moves, Bruce? Yeah, and we've seen just the cost of real estate the last several years you know, really uh, go up significantly also. But, you know, you mentioned something really smart, um, and, and, and I'm glad you did because we want to be inclusive to all listeners. So people out there that already own a house might be thinking, well, this topic doesn't apply to me, but you said something really smart. You might have a child or a grandchild or somebody close to you that's going through it. Plus, I would suggest many people might be thinking about selling a home. I've had clients ask me about, is now, you know, it, it seems to be a seller's market. Real estate values are high. There's demand for housing. Um, if I'm going to do it soon anyway, maybe I do it now and, and I sell my house and, and I either rent for a while or maybe I rent forever. Maybe I never buy another place. So, again, I think there's a lot of important information that we can share today for, for anyone in the real estate market buying or selling and and the other thing I want to say to your point of you know what a you know what a milestone moment this is it it is for us I think individually but I'll say just for myself it is for me seeing my kids do it my my youngest just recently bought his first home and I got to tell you that's 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 an emotional thing for me and I went out a couple weekends ago and brought him his housewarming gift and saw the place and and you know I'm just it's it's a big it's a big deal. And Peg, you know, my son is a very pragmatic guy. He's an engineer. So even making the decision, he was lamenting because he understands that interest rates have gone up and home values are high. So he's kind of grumbling like we probably did this at the worst possible time. And I'm like, you know what, Greg, you do it when you can do it. When it when it fits for you, buying a home is not only an economic decision. Economics are certainly part of it and have to be considered, but this is a lifestyle choice. This is a and if and if you've got the down payment and you can afford it, and, and his logic was, I know these are one of our talking points, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but he looked at what he was paying in rent and what his mortgage payment would be, and they were you know they're very close. Only on one he's building equity, and the other one the money's never coming back. So I think that was the biggest compelling reason why he said yeah you know even though people say this is the the wrong time it it works for me now yeah the other point i want to um emphasis make an emphasis on right now is you know after the financial crisis of 2008 2009 and which was um just a uh dramatic point in time i have to say, and listeners I'm sure will agree with me, that housing prices didn't go up for years and years. So um, our investment team told us, you know, even a year or two ago, uh, wait a minute, you know, housing is behind on having any kind of inflation at all. It was basically flat. And so now all of a sudden, you know, in the past couple of years, we've made up for that meaning that prices have gone up, you know, 20%, in some areas, 40%. And, and so I don't want it to seem like it just came out of the blue, because there was some room that appreciation should have happened. Now, I don't know where this really fits in the outline, Bruce, but I remember when we bought our house um, in the 80s, the early 80s, 
and my mortgage was nine and a half percent. Well, the cost of the house was eighty six thousand dollars. So it's hard to believe, you know, and and it was all of us kind of baby boomers up and coming buying our first house. But the point I want to make is the cost of things usually is dictated like the cost of these houses by what people have to pay to get into that house or what the mortgage is. So I feel like this is all so new with these higher mortgages and, and a couple of things have to happen. Either the builders will have to lower their how you know, the housing, the new housing, or houses will have to come down in value to meet that, you know, um, mortgage demand, if you will. Or we have just reset housing prices and maybe they don't necessarily go down and maybe they don't necessarily go up. We may stay in this area for a while. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is because the outline does say, should we just wait for inflation to come down? And never, ever, ever in my career, and this is a decade's career, did inflation ever come down? And I remember Jim Kahn saying to me, you know, when when he first arrived a decade or more ago at, at our chief investment officer at Wealth Enhancement Group, he said, Peg, I don't understand why your clients are worried about the market going up and down. Their biggest worry should be inflation, because historically, when something has gone up in price, it's never gone down. So I think that's what we're hearing, too, is with the housing market that, you know, we hit these levels. And yes, in some areas, you know, they've sold off a little bit. uh, But in these primary areas of the U.S., they have not. And we start to wonder is this now our new baseline, Bruce? Well, that's a great point. So uh, what what you're saying is is that if inflation slows or levels or even goes to zero, with very few exceptions, 2008 maybe being one of them, that doesn't mean that real estate values are going to come down. It just means they're not going to keep rising as fast. If you're going to if you're going to wait and buy your house in a year or two when it's cheaper than today, it's probably not going to be cheaper. But you might want to wait because maybe your personal circumstances get better. You have more time to save more money for a bigger down payment, or or you have a better credit rating, or you you have a better job, or whatever. But yeah, the price of real estate is probably not going to come down, uh, although it can and it has, but I would say it's it's unlikely and I wouldn't make my decision on that assumption that that's going to happen sometime soon. That's a great point, Peg. And part of it, Bruce, is that there just isn't 25 people bidding against you, right? So part of that was just, you know, everybody at the same time wanting um, that particular house. But let's go into some reasons to rent and maybe some reasons to buy. Now, reasons to rent, you mentioned a couple already. Maybe your job is is uncertain in a particular area, so you don't necessarily want to lock in. Um, you know, uh, selling a house costs money. So if you have a house that you want to sell, maybe you want to go rent for time just to figure it out. Maybe you can't afford a house right now. And and maybe, you know, the reasons um, that you're renting is that someone, a friend or somebody would live with you so that it would lower the cost. Maybe you don't have a great credit score. I mean, you are not getting a mortgage unless you've got all of that taken care of ahead of time. And this is a biggie. 
what if you don't even want the hassles of maintaining a home? I mean, I would, I see a lot of these younger generations, Bruce, I look back and how much time I put into maintaining and, and it's such a, a, a ownership pride that, you know, you wanted everything to be perfect and guess what? Things break down and we'll talk about that when you buy, but maybe you live in a flood zone and you, and you just want to rent and, and um, you just want flexibility. I see renting as flexibility, Bruce. Well, those are, uh, those are all great points. And, and again, the logic that a lot of people use, and I'll be honest, this is the logic that I, that I kind of used in my own life, and I've already alluded to this, is if you're renting, you don't get any of that back. Whatever your rent is on a monthly basis, that money's gone. If, if you have a mortgage payment, you're building equity, you're building value in the home that you live in. It's an asset on your balance sheet. Now, it's usually not an income-producing asset, but it's still an asset that has value someday. You can, you can sell that home, hopefully, for equal to or more than you bought it for, and then figure out where you're going to live when you sell that home. So the economics of building equity, having ownership as opposed to renting, I get why that's attractive, but I love all the points that you just made. There's logical reasons why you might want to rent even though that's that's a reason to buy that you build equity, but the, but I, I love what you said. Just even the maintenance of being a homeowner, I think that's one of the things my, my son is discovering. You know, he had to go out and buy a lawnmower, which he's never owned before, and you know, just all, all the little things you don't think of. You know, they've since they bought the house, they've uh, carpeted and they've painted and they've done all these things, and I think there's a sense of satisfaction when you do it. But a lot of people don't want to confront all that stuff yet and maybe just would rather continue to rent. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up reasons to rent or reasons not to buy yet, because I always try to look at it pragmatically and go, well, if my payment's about the same, but I'm building equity in something, you know, of course I would do it. And the other big one, and I think you mentioned it, but I think it, it's one to emphasize, and it's the roadblock for a lot of young people coming up with the down money they might be able to you know to afford the monthly mortgage payment but generally speaking you've got to come up with at least 10 percent ideally probably even 20 percent i think we'll talk more about this you know later on in terms of how you finance but coming up with that down payment is the challenge i biggest challenge i think for most young people peg yeah, the other thing I wanted to bring up and start talking about reasons to buy. I mean, to me, it's the, that that impact of ownership goes so beyond the financial of it. I mean, I just see people beaming. I mean, we've worked with people for decades. They just beam about the place they live, the community that they're in, the freedom to personalize it. Like you just said, your son is painting and, you know, and and I, I I can't understate you know the the pride in just being in a community. I think that was kind of the the big boom of home ownership, um, basically after the war, right? Everybody World War II people came back and they all wanted to just have a place. And so there's there's so much more beyond financial. Now I can tell you that I, I feel like it's kind of a um, misnomer in that you buy a house, you've got all this expense, right? Because mortgages start with 
99.9% of your payment is interest, right? I mean, that's how 30-year loans work, right? It's really top-heavy. And so I feel like you have to have a mindset that you're going to stay a while. Like you can't just buy one and then um, hope that the price goes up that covers all your short-term costs. I've seen the most successful clients with having a real estate or a home are, are clients that have bought and lived there a long time and built this equity. But you can also get to be in a place where, oh, I don't like this place anymore or, oh, my job has moved. And I think today, Bruce, it's more so than ever that people don't necessarily plant themselves in a community. So they do have to look at the cost a little bit grander. Now, what I can tell you about me personally is I have exchanged houses many, many times because I feel like I only live once and I want to experience different communities. And and actually, I went to college for interior design. So you can imagine how, oh, I want to get a new fresh one that I can change and upgrade. And that was fun for me and a change of scenery. I've never made a dime on a house, Bruce, in my entire career. It was, and, and so there, you can get into switching and changing, but maybe you're not necessarily making money and maybe it doesn't make financial sense. But if it makes you happy, um, we're okay with it. Well, I'm glad, and I'm glad you said that. And that's, that's, um, I, I hadn't thought about that. But as you said it, I realized that that's true, that I, I've known you a really long time, and you've probably lived more places than, than anybody I know. But again, that, that comes back to the point that we made earlier that I think needs to be emphasized. This is not just an economic decision. This is a lifestyle decision, and, you know, and, and you've got to be happy. And, and, and you know, the other thing we kind of skirted around that I wanted to, to hit on again, too, you know, job stability. I, th- I feel like today's generation of young people, you know, back in our day, you, you joined the company, you, you put in your 35 years, you retired and got your gold watch, and that, you know, that was it. There was tremendous loyalty both ways, employee and employer. And today, I think it's a very mobile workplace. People are constantly moving from job to job. Well, if you buy that house and make that commitment, and you switch jobs and you're out of work for a while, or, or your new job is uh, d- different location. I mean, there's just a lot of variables there that make the house not attractive. So let's do this. We're, we're coming up already to the end of the first segment. Time goes so fast. We talked about reasons not to buy. We talked about reasons to buy. Let's say you're, you're making the, the, the decision to buy. You're probably not gonna, just going to walk in and pay cash. How do you finance this purchase? Yeah, so you've got all sorts of choices for financing. You can take a mortgage. Um, but then there's costs, right? There's closing costs, there's home association fees, there's taxes, insurance, maintenance, utilities. Uh, and, you know, you can choose, do you want fixed rate mortgage? Do you want adjustable? So as we're talking about people moving, I think adjustable rate mortgages make more sense. If you don't think you're going to be there a long time, then you usually get a lower payment um, at that time too. But you do have to have good credit. And if, you, if you're not eligible quite yet, then I think you've got a lot of steps to take. And I highly recommend, Bruce, that people do that so that they're prepared 
when they go into the mortgage company or they go, you know, fill out the applications that they've done their homework ahead of time. Yeah, that's a great point. Your credit rating may determine whether you can get a loan or not, or maybe you can get a loan, but your terms and conditions are not very favorable. You have to pay higher interest rate or whatever than someone that's established a really, really good uh, credit uh, rating. So, Susie, I know we're getting close to the end, the second half. Let's hopefully uh, let listeners uh, talk about this this subject or any other question they want, and Peg and I will share any uh, final thoughts on it as well. All right, perfect. The number to call or text, 651-461-9226. You can, again, text that line, text a question on that line. Back after this on news on WCCO. Welcome back. It is your money. And if you have a financial question for Bruce or Peg, you can call one eight 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 six advice at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also email a question at yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. But we have about 25 minutes left on this program where you can call or text 651-461-9226. Once again, Bruce Helmer and Peg Webb, take it away with the final segment of the show. Thank you, Susie. So, uh, Peg and, and listeners, uh, thanks for, for being with us. If you joined us late, Peg and I have been talking about uh, renting versus buying. I'm not going to uh, go over all the, the, the same bullet points that we did in the first half of the show, but uh, I'll, I'll briefly summarize. You know, we talked about uh, reasons to rent, maybe job location or uncertainty, maybe you haven't saved enough for a down payment, maybe you don't want the hassles of home ownership, fixing things, mowing lawns, but, you know, and uh, plowing driveways and so forth. And we talked about the reasons to buy. You believe in home equity as a meaningful component to your financial planning. Uh, the cost of a mortgage isn't any more than you're paying in rent, um, or you 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 feel that. Uh, um, if you buy now, you'll and you're going to stay in the home for a while. At some point, you'll be able to sell it for more than you bought it for. But uh, staying there for a while probably being one of the keys. Peg, one of the things, and then we also talked about a little bit how to buy it because a purchase of this size, most people can't just go pay cash, write a check, they finance it. But Peg, one of the things we didn't talk about is uh, tax consequence. One of the, one of the things about a mortgage that I always used to say to people, um, you've got your total cost and then your net cost because of being able to deduct the interest. But that's not always as true now as it once was. Yeah, it's it's um, it was a huge change in 2017. It was under the Tax Cuts and Job Act of 2017. And if, if people um, kind of remember when we went to this higher standard deduction. And so when people do their income taxes, you you have a choice. You can file standard deduction, or you may have a lot of miscellaneous itemized deductions that go um, on a separate sheet. And whichever's higher is the one that you'll want to use on your income tax. Well, it, it was a huge deduction for housing because it was actually unlimited. So if we wanted to go buy a house and and mortgage 99% of it, um, we could take the interest payment, put it on our itemized um, deduction sheet, 
and write that off, if you will. So we've always kind of believed that one of the motivations for buying a house was this grand deduction. Well, in 2017, they changed that. If you had your house before December of 2017, you could now still deduct $1 million. And I know to a lot of listeners, people would say, $1 million in a mortgage, that's huge. Well, we're talking about nationally now, right? We hear about houses in California that for the same house in Minnesota or in the Midwest, you may pay 400000 But in California, you may pay a million five for the same house. So what that did then is um, you get to still deduct this million. But anyone who bought after December of 2017, they dropped that to $750,000 deduction. So what we're witnessing, Bruce, um, in at Wealth Enhancement Group is that very few of our clients are itemizing because they also capped real estate taxes, property taxes. They've changed, you know, healthcare deductions. So very few people, um, you know, itemize these days that I'm witnessing when I'm looking at their tax returns. Bruce? Now, that's a negative from a tax standpoint. But one of the things I just thought of, and this isn't even in our, in our outline, we, we did talk about this in recent weeks. A lot of people are still under the false impression that if they do sell a home, that they, gotta, that they must pay taxes on their gain unless they put that gain into another home purchase. And that isn't true anymore. You, if, if your gain, uh, each, each individual gets up to 250000 of gain that's, uh, that's free from taxes. So a married couple filing jointly, it's 500250 per person that you can have in gain, and it doesn't matter what you do with that money. You don't have to put it into another piece of real estate. So most of the time when people sell a house, there's not going to be a tax consequence to that sale. And a lot of people I know, Peg, have, have still been uh, confused by that. So to all listeners, I just want to say, um, if you're confronting this right now or you have an adult child that's thinking about buying and they're putting it off because they think prices are going to come down or interest rates are going to come down um, and they're just not sure what to do, give us a call. Or if you've had a personal experience and you just did it, give us a call, 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226, or any financial question. It does not have to be on this topic. We'll take any and all financial questions. And Peg, before we uh, turn it over to listeners, one of the things I know that we talked about during the week, and you've always been a lot better at this than I am, but we don't mention our, our, our website as often as we should. Talk a little bit about the website. Yeah, I just love our website. It's wealthenhancement.com. And on the website is just a plethora of so much information. But I think we have it really well organized, meaning if you go to the top and there's this uh, tab called Insights. And when you hit on Insights, and I don't know if the hit is the right word, but when you go, we have blogs, we have webinars coming up, we have ebooks that you can download. We have, most importantly, the Your Money radio show, which actually has all the shows that we have done and, and they're, they're on there 
as um, as as soon as you know one or two days after they were live. So uh, it's nice because Bruce, you could look at all the topics that we've talked about, and there might be one that you're interested in, and then you can go just you can listen to that uh, particular um, podcast, if you will, or listen to it on our website. So if you haven't gone there for a while, I highly recommend it. Well, and again, there's a lot of educational stuff, and you don't have to be a client. It's we share it with anybody. Um, that that wants and there's a there's a lot of good stuff on there. But again, part of our motivation, let's be honest, the elephant in the room, we want to make a favorable impression on people, and we want them to consider using our services, uh, coming in to talk to us. There's no cost, there's no obligation, uh, there's nothing to lose. So if you don't aren't impressed, you can walk away. But once people make the decision to come and see us. Uh, a very high percentage of the time they they do move forward and they do end up engaging. And then we've been very blessed that once they engage, they tend to stay. Our our clients, once they become clients, uh, don't leave very often. So uh, I I, I think we we can show that it it is worthwhile. But uh, um, was there anything else, Peg, in the first half of the show renting versus buying in the hot real estate market. Any other, anything we didn't hit that you want to hit or any key takeaways for listeners before we go to some questions? No, I think we should go to listeners, but the only comment I would make is be happy. Make sure that, you know, I, I, we only live once, and as far as I know, and just make <laughs> sure that you're happy in, um, in your decisions. Yeah, you got to be able to sleep at night, right? You got to, right. you know, right. one of the things I that I asked my son after they did this, I said after a couple nights, "Are you sleeping well? Does it feel like home?" And he said yes, because I've had people tell me before that they don't, that they're nervous, they're anxious, they hear noises, it doesn't feel like home, and maybe it takes a while. But he said it felt like home almost from the first night. That's probably a pretty good sign that they made a good decision. Uh, all right, Susie, let's uh, get listeners involved. All right. Um, can you, our texter writes at 651-461-9226, can you share your thoughts on senior co-ops, where to buy in at? Uh, for example, uh, this person says $250,000 plus and then pay a monthly fee or rent. What are your thoughts on that? Have you heard of that? What a great question. Thank thank you, Susie, for for reading that one. And Peg, in addition to co-ops, maybe even talk, you know, because there's there's two issues you can you can co-op is a is a purchase. But I've had a lot of seniors now in recent years make the decision purposely to rent and maybe even talk a little bit about that and how it's changed. All right. Sorry about Uh, that. Yes. Uh, The senior co-ops. Absolutely. Um, They are popular and we run the numbers for clients to see if it makes sense for them. But all in all, I have to tell you, we have 100 percent, you know, happiness with co-ops. And I'm sure it's probably location and the fact that you still feel like an owner but you've got kind of part ownership, not part ownership, you're an owner, but yet you've got this rent. So the combination, I think, is brilliant. Um, and it's and I can tell you it's working for clients. 
Then secondly, Bruce, when you mentioned renting, I thought of that when we were talking about renting versus buying. There's a lot of clients that don't want the children to have the burden of, you know, cleaning out the house or having to sell the house and divide the assets among the children. So what they have been doing, especially in the hotter real estate market, is selling their home and then going and and renting. Now, renting for them was a different motivation maybe than um, some younger people. And that was kind of the same with co-ops. They want a sense of community of people, uh, you know, like themselves. And so um, some of the rental buildings do have 55 plus and then they're assured that they'll have some people that are like themselves and they have activities and all sorts of things. And so there's once again, you be you're happy because you're, you're trying to gravitate towards things that in the time in your life that maybe you have all of a sudden you have all these new friendships and financially our clients come to us and say, should I do this co-op or rent, uh, Bruce? Well, and, and again, the, the idea of a rent was so foreign to me and went against, you know, what I, what I perceived as logic, you know, again, in terms of ownership and equity versus money going, you know, down the drain. But as some of my senior clients taught me, and it does make economic sense, look, Bruce, when I sold my house, whatever, whatever I sold it for, I pocketed that money and now I have that capital to use for my rent and for my lifestyle. And, and furthermore, I got rid of all the maintenance things that I didn't want to do anymore. Again, the, the lawn, the driveway in, in the winter and, and so forth. And it does actually make sense because when you look at the proceeds from the sale of the home, that'll pay their rent for as long as they live. Now, again, they, they might have a depleting net worth, but we can run the numbers and verify that it's not going to go to zero before they die. So they might leave a, a smaller legacy for loved ones, but it's a lifestyle choice, and it's usually one that the kids support and say, we don't need mom and dad's money, we're fine, and they're happier this way. And, and so they sold the house and they're renting, and that's fine. And I, 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 I learned that that's okay, actually, for my clients, that that can make sense. That would have never never been something that I would have thought of or would have recommended if clients hadn't brought it to me. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we learn from them. Right. We have some text questions at 651-461-9226. This person, actually a couple different ones, asked this same question. What do you think of reverse mortgages? Ah, reverse mortgage. So, Peg, uh, you know, when we're talking about... uh, equity in a home or a home or an asset on the balance sheet, but it's an asset that I said in the first half of the show, it's an asset, but it's uh, generally not an asset that produces income. Well, along comes a reverse mortgage and maybe it can produce income. Yeah. So what a reverse mortgage is actually just as it sounds, right? You have paid off your house and now you're going to reverse it where the bank is actually going to make you a monthly payment, um, you know, using that equity in your home. So there's lots of rules and understanding about this uh, type of mortgage. But I actually, I mean, it got a 
really bad rap in the beginning because it's expensive, right? And and so is financing a home. I mean, if you look at buying a brand new home and you look at all the the money that you have to put out on, at a closing, yeah, that's a lot of money. Well, it's the same thing now if you reverse it. It's almost like you're going to get a new mortgage. You have to pay lots of fees. So it got a bad um, you know, wrap in the beginning, and I know they're working on it because I do believe the concept of it, of it is a good one, meaning if you have a lot of equity in your home, it, if you can do this reverse mortgage, then it's a way to stay in your home longer and be able to pay for the maintenance and the upkeep and that kind of thing. And then also, um, we have not at all, Bruce, uh, included a home or the equity in a home in any of our financial forecasts. Um, do I believe that they'll get this reverse mortgage into a place where it is trusted, you know, by the uh, the clients and the community in the financial world? Yes, I believe eventually it's going to be something that's going to be normal for us to talk about and utilize. And, and I believe the concept is good, Bruce. Yeah, I, I want to add a little bit to that. And I agree with everything you said, Peg, but I'll just add a, a, a teeny bit. Um, first of all, debt, whether it's a reverse mortgage or whether it's a home equity line of credit, the idea of taking equity or borrowing against the equity or the value of your home and then using that money to invest is, is never a good idea. Um, I, I don't care what the investment strategy is. Um, and, and unfortunately, there are people in our industry that might you know, ask their clients to do that. If you go take a home equity loan and invest that money with me, I'll get you a higher rate of return than the cost of the debt on the, on the loan. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. You can't control the stock market, and there's a lot of things outside your control. So borrowing money to invest is not something at Wealth Enhancement Group that we would ever, ever recommend. But using the equity in your home to live for lifestyle might be something we recommend. And Peg, I'll never forget, um, I was kind of anti-reverse mortgage, or I considered it an absolute last resort. And a client of mine, her adult child was a CPA, and she, uh, he came to a meeting with her, and he'd run the numbers of the cost of the reverse mortgage. Now, there are, you're right, there's cost to get it set up, but then the income itself is actually income tax-free because you, um, you know, you, you're taking the equity out of your home. And he compared it to her taking withdrawals from her IRA and the tax liability that she would have, and he showed me how the cost was actually less for her to use her home equity than to use her IRA. Now, ultimately, she's going to have required minimum distributions on the IRA. But I learned something from the accountant, the, the adult child of a client, and our financial planning team verified his numbers were accurate. And now there's been several clients where we've done the financial planning and said, look, have you considered this? It might make more economic sense. But again, if we're talking about loans, it's never loans so you can invest more money with Wealth Enhancement Group. It's loans for income so you can live a better lifestyle and spend money more efficiently or more effectively. So, yes, I think uh, whoever wrote the text 
It's a great question, uh, Susie, and they do have a place. All right. We have another text question that says, my wife and I are both 70, retired and not working. We both have pensions and are taking Social Security. Uh, The rest of our income is from an annuity, and they wonder about, um, they say that they are being taxed and they want to know if they can what they can do to reduce their tax burden so an annuity uh, and, okay go ahead yep oh mm. no, okay so peg uh, i'll let you go first i think we got a little over a minute left uh yep not an uncommon question yeah not an uncommon question but at this stage uh it's somewhat difficult to rearrange your buckets of money and how they're taxed so wealth enhancement group is a firm believer in earlier than later get your tax um, calculated on your buckets of money, meaning some money should be taxable, some money should be tax deferred, and some money should be tax advantaged. At this point in time, it seems that all your income sources are uh, taxable. And that's something that, yeah, you could rearrange maybe the annuity at this point because that's taxable too, but it's harder when you get older, Bruce. Yeah, you know, again, we we always talk about we want to minimize taxes over a lifetime. Sometimes that might mean paying more tax in the short term to pay a lot less tax later. And so we don't just look at the current year; we look at over a lifetime. And 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 then sometimes, as Peg said, and as the texter maybe is finding out, sometimes it's just too late and there's not much we can do. But uh, it's a great question. It's something we look at all the time, whether people ask us to or not. We look at tax reduction strategies, tax efficiency. All right. With that, we're going to give you this number, one eight 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 six advice One last time, that's one eight 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 six advice If you did not get your question answered, you can always email the folks there at, at Wealth Enhancement at yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. See you next time.